You're listening to CS Book Club, and we're reading Introduction to Graph Theory by Richard Trudeau. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 7, The Genus of a Graph. I'm Brian, and with me are Amy. Hey, everyone. Clint. Hey, everyone. And Justin. Hey. So last time we talked about coloring, which dealt primarily with planar graphs, and today we're going to talk about the genus of a graph, which is uh, kind of related. I don't know. What did you all? What did you all make of the genus? I didn't understand it at first glance, um, but the figure one twenty seven helped, and <laughs> it sounds silly, but re- reading the chapter helped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, if I understand correctly, a genus is the so a planar graph uh, is of genus S zero. And if you have a graph which you, you know, a super graph, let's say, of a planar graph that is no longer planar, that is non-planar, um, you need to add uh, donut holes in your, in your beach ball uh, to then make it uh, planar yet again on that special torus E shape. Does that description make sense? I think so. But I've read the chapter, uh, and I agree with your assessment that before, like, without reading the chapter, it's kind of uh, hard to get your head around. To me, it didn't quite start to make sense how things would be drawn onto the different uh, the different toruses um, until I saw Figure One Thirty One, uh, where they show how essentially you take your beach ball and you make bridges uh, for everything that would cross, uh, and then they become handles, and eventually, if you have three bridges, it becomes a three-ring torus. I think seeing that helped a lot, because there's no way for us to really... I mean, a beach ball, I could find a beach ball, but I can't really find a three-ring torus to draw on. Do you consider making a three-ring torus? If it's fried in form <laughs> of dough... And with a maple glaze, absolutely. Just get a giant apple fritter and start poking holes in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, well, it was a little harder to conceptualize, well, a lot harder to conceptualize what a graph looks like drawn on a imaginary infinite hold spherical surface or whatever, toroidal surface. I'll be honest, this chapter kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. Explain. Uh, just, we did a lot. I don't know, at first it was it was kind of nice because we were going from just planar graphs to three dimensional, and I kind of appreciated that. But whereas I don't know this introduction of like weird bridge handle things, and then we we took a beach ball and made it a three ring torus somewhere in there was just weird and just kind of like yeah, it just kind of I don't know making bridges just sounded strange out of a beach ball material. I don't know. Fair <sighs> enough. So the first theorem that the set of all planar graphs is equal to the set of all graphs with g equal to zero. Um, I thought that was a definitely a good starting point um, because s zero is the beach ball. Pretty easy to imagine. And I felt like the proof of this theorem was pretty intuitive. Yeah, at first uh, glance or whatever, I kind of thought that, you know, adding... And, and they... They say this, um, I have it highlighted um, right after figure 128, 
The fact that edges can go around the back of a sphere may suggest that edge crossings can be avoided on spheres when they cannot in a plane, but the theorem demonstrates that this notion is false. So like having a graph on a beach ball, you'd think that like, oh, I have like an extra way to go around to connect an extra an extra edge. Mm-hmm. So I can make a non-planar graph planar or, you know, um, planar on this, this sphere. Um, but in reality, like you're just drawing a big line around any other lines. Right. Isn't that also kind of how rainbows work? Like rainbows are just like big circles in the sky. That's not really pure nor there. <laughs> rainbows are planar, you're saying? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's almost a good point, though. I think with the the figure in 128 that you're talking about, Justin, and the the handles that turn into three-ring toruses, there's a lot here that kind of pushes our ability to find concepts that are similar to it um, and it does kind of push push the edge of what's intuitive i think it also pushed the ability of the the author's artistic skills <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the um i i appreciate his effort in figure 131 but um i agree figure 128 took me a while to stare at and then i realized what he was trying to trying to do. One thirty is actually a really good picture that shows how these handles yeah. can like enable an edge crossing that w- wasn't possible before. Yeah, and I think like thinking about them as bridges kind of helps me helps me at least because you know if you think about these as roads, you know a map a map would look somewhat similar to this. It's just and we don't notice anything wrong. Because, oh, of course, it's, uh, there's a, an overpass. Um, and in the same way, like the utility graph, that doesn't bother me in real life. It doesn't bother any utility company because one pipe can, in fact, pass under another one, uh, so long as it's, you know, decently far away from it, uh, further, further underground. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think, like, figure 130 showing, the three squiggly lines, it's kind of hard to see a bridge there. <laughs> um, yeah, a little, uh, this is where having like color in the book would have been really useful. Yeah. Crowns are not allowed. <laughs> no, they just weren't required. Although a different sentence says, the unconvinced reader should acquire an inner tube and some chalk. <laughs> I'll have both of those things, but I was convinced, so I <laughs> kept them for their original purposes. Oh man, you know what I just realized? Make homemade donuts and a very thin icing pipe. And then yeah. this this chapter becomes incredibly delicious. <laughs> that would have been a huge hit back when I was in the math club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so theorem 19 says that every graph has a genus. So basically, no matter how Byzantine your graph is, you can always... You can always add holes and eventually find you know, a torus of a certain number of holes on which your graph is planar, which I think that's, that was where he used the bridges to illustrate, right? It was like, oh, just keep adding bridges and you'll eventually meet your goal. This leads me to think if anyone has determined the genus of the road network of the United States. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> That is 
an amazing question. I guess you just count every bridge, right? Yeah. Well, no, because you need to also count all intersections that don't have bridges. Although we're talking about graphs well, pure, yeah. and pure mathematics, so yeah. really you could change you could change the drawing as much as you wanted to find out what the genus is. Maybe you could draw the entire road network without edge crossings. I think like what I said, so it, an intersection would be like a natural vertex, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. you'd have yeah. to consider it that way. What if in, okay, so here's a, here's the question. Uh, no, this is a dumb question. I was just thinking like, you know, because that, that makes it too easy, right? If each like intersection of roads is a vertex, but if each, if the things that are vertexes are like the geographic center of of a municipality or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that could work. I don't want to get lost just, down this rabbit hole. We should just raise to. the entire US and redesign the network around pure mathematics. There we go. Nothing can intersect anymore. You just have to like continue <laughs> turning left until you've like made your right turn or something. So um I don't know, do you want to talk about the proof of theorem nineteen or should we go into theorem twenty? Theorem 20 seemed pretty straightforward. It was the same, like, um, it just seemed very intuitive, like... Yeah, you can just, like, add a bunch of handles. No one's and, yeah, and, yeah. The same as, like, if a graph is planar, then taking away things, it will still be planar. Right. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, the most interesting thing for me in this chapter was your second formula. Mm -hmm. um, so earlier we learned that there was a formula, your first formula, where... Um, vertices plus faces minus edges always two, and um, the formula still holds for um, these these new uh, not flat graphs, <laughs> these mm -hmm. toroidal graphs, um, these these genuses, um, where it's the same formula, but it's it equals two minus g. So our 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 legacy planar graphs that we were talking about before, they have G0, so it's still the same exact formula um, or the same exact result. But as you add uh, handles or, or or as you go to a higher genus, then that number goes down. And that seems like a really interesting property. We There was an earlier definition of faces, right, that was used in Euler's first formula. I mean, there must have been. Yes, yeah. So the, yeah, the definition that precedes this this section on the second formula is like a I thought it was a nice generalization of that idea, where like we can still talk about faces, but they mean something different when you're on a torus. I mean, it's kind of the same, it's like the same idea, but now now with donut. Yeah, I have to say this is this is the point where I can understand that this is something that makes sense would happen. But maybe better graphics. Maybe if you take, you know, Lucasfilm uh, CGI effects and and illustrate this for me. Maybe maybe it'll help. But um, the the figures here were not sufficient to make this feel like something I kind of intuitively understood. I and I I feel like this lack of kind of intuition made me think of it another thing where um when you oh, there's a name for this but uh if you take a strip of paper you put half a twist in it and you make a loop out of it um and then like 
one line, draw one line, the line matches up with itself. A Mobius strip? Yes. Thank you, a Mobius strip. Um, in my head, because I don't kind because I don't really grok this same thing, um, it does it feels somewhat similar to uh, to the fact that, well, if we no longer if you kind of morph the surface upon which you are drawing lines, sometimes the meaning of those lines and shapes is different. Yeah, I did I did struggle quite a bit making these mental toruses and, and inner tubes and, and plotting out these lines. Yeah. It's kind of random fact. Um, the Mobius strip is named after uh, a mathematician, Mobius, who was one of the first people documented to mention the four color theorem that we talked about last episode. Yeah. Cool. Just, Interesting. Just, just noticed that. I, yeah, those mathematicians. They all hang out. I can't imagine, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy to imagine that in 1840 people were thinking about this stuff. Thinking about graphs and recording Graph podcasts. theory at all, yeah. And, yeah, podcast. Um, the rest of this chapter, uh, I kind of just blew through. Um, yeah. Mainly because the beginning of the chapter said, hey, you don't actually need this for chapter eight. But I know, right? It maybe, was like... maybe read a little bit of it. <laughs> Yeah, really, really kind of sold it short. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up with a lot of uh, math and algebra things going on. It, it kind of sucked the life out of me, parts of it. Sorry, that was, that was drastic. It, it was not my favorite I skimmed, chapter. I skimmed through. Let's put it that way. Yeah. One thing that surprised me was the um, estimating the genus of a connected graph. Um, and given that I did this, the same thing as, as everyone else and, and, um, went pretty quick through this, um, it surprised me that there wasn't some nice and, uh, nice and pretty rule for this. Um, because you would think that there would be some way to look at, look at the number of, nodes and or number of vertices and the number of edges and get a rough idea of how many bridges you would need to build how many handles you would need um pretty quickly um and so uh yeah the um the fact that we get to theorem 23 um and there is a statement that is rather rather complex and doesn't necessarily have any uh intuitive meaning uh is i don't know somewhat surprising well uh is there anything else that y'all wanted to chat about with this chapter or should we button it up and plan for uh next time's euler walks i really want to try to draw a utility graph on a donut with icing <laughs> Maybe that yeah. can be like how we close out this podcast. <laughs> I can just imagine a lot of trial and error there. Yeah. Sweet, delicious trial and error. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, obviously, to facilitate the learning process, all failed attempts must be consumed. That's right. I accidentally ate a dozen donuts, but it was for a <laughs> podcast, so yeah, it's, yeah. it doesn't count. Wasn't wasn't an accident? Yes. Edison Edison failed like a thousand times. That's what right? I was doing research. Those weren't accidents. Those were just, yeah, research. All right. Well, thank you for listening, 
And we'll be back next time to talk about Euler walks and Hamilton walks. Thank you. Thanks. See you.